Hello and welcome to the Irish Left Archive podcast. In this episode we talk to Jason Brannigan. Jason is an anarchist activist in Belfast and member of the anarcho-syndicalist group Organize, as well as being involved in Just Books, which encompasses a library of radical material, meeting space and education project. We discuss Jason's background in Belfast, his involvement with Just Books and Organize and the development of both since the 1990s, political organising in workplaces and communities in the context of the North, and the current focus and prospects for anarchist organising in Ireland. The Organised website is at organisedanarchistsireland.com, where you'll find the publications Black Star and The Leveter, as well as background on the organisation and Just Books project. you find the Irish Left Archive at leftarchive.ie. Uh, if you want to get in touch with this, you can do so via the website, uh, by email at contact at leftarchive.ie, or find us on Twitter at ieleftarchive. So thanks to Jason for taking the time to talk to us, and thank you for listening. First of all, Jason, thanks, Minya, for coming on to talk to us. So, yeah, maybe to get started, you can tell us a bit about what first got you involved in politics and in anarchism. Okay, um, I have to say something strange here at school. Right. (laughs) Bizarrely. Right, so living, at the time living with my man, my sister in New Mosley, since I was, uh, I think, about eight until I was 17. I knew mostly it's a small, uh, it would be a council estate, but they're run by the Northern Northern Ireland Housing Executive in the North because, well, because of the whole thing with civil rights and unfair housing allocation, councils weren't trustworthy in in terms of housing allocation. Um, So I lived in in a working class housing estate but I just about scraped through my 11 plus and got into a grammar school. Uh, so I had to travel on the bus seven miles to a place called Ballyclare right. to go to school. Whereas everyone else that I knew, my sister, went to the local comprehensive school. Mm. school so, mm. And uh, basically, right from the very start, class became a very major issue. Uh, in first year going into school, we were, I'd say, about five or six of us in the maths class, mm. subjected to a lecture from the maths teacher about the terrible standards that the school had had at this stage uh, in terms of who it was allowing in. Wow. And that was directed at about five or six of us in a classroom of 28 who all lived in housing estates. Right. So they were identifiably working class because they lived in rented equivalent council accommodation. Right. And it didn't get any better. It was quite an elitist school. And uh, you were not on every occasion, but you were quite aware of where, where you came from. So I think that gave me some insights that uh, already started to work against the, the unionist, nationalist, Protestant, Catholic sort of thing that you would have been brought up with. Uh, because the, the starkest type of antagonism I was already experiencing mm-hmm. at the time was class. Mm-hmm. Now, this might, might have been very, very different if I grew up in Bala Murphy or, or somewhere at the time that was more directly at the receiving end of, of oppression and discrimination. Mm on a sectarian basis 
but uh, this is what started to radicalise me. Nathan, as a quite young teenager, uh, the Anglo-Irish Agreement happened. Mm. I remember protests. I remember there were lots of discussions, lots of arguments. There were there were kids and teenagers where I was from who went into Belfast city centre and joined the protests. There were upside down red hands with with no in in people's windows. There were there were uh, people on the left. There was shock horror. Loyalists are rioting against their own state. What's happening here? I mean, this has been a this has been a, a feature of loyalism and unionism right from its inception. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It shouldn't be a surprise, but <laughs> that's another point. So I, I just started thinking there is absolutely no point in loyalism. This is the Westminster government really don't seem to give two flying fucks. Mm. Uh, that was the impression on the ground. And then there are other issues that you start to notice uh, that, issues around housing, unemployment, while there were very important differentials there, mm. the experience of unemployment, of shit housing, uh, you know, and in the 80s, Thatcherism and, yeah. and access to jobs is not to be taken for granted anymore. The impact of the deindustrialization is already kicking in. Mm. Although the community that I was from, for want of a better way of describing it, had the option of of jobs in the security forces or the British Army. Yeah. Uh, the other attraction for kids from backgrounds like mine with the Army or the Air Force or the Navy mm. was that if you at the time if you came from the North and you joined, you didn't have to serve in the North. Okay. So lots of, yeah. lots of working class kids just seen that as an escape route. Yeah. And I know this this makes for very different lived experiences on both sides, if you want to call it that, in the North. But there is still a class element to that that I think is very important. Uh, but again, that that started to make me see things in terms of class mm. more than anything else. Indeed, you, and you mentioned before we started music. I did start getting into punk music and stuff. Yeah. I did start hanging about with other people who were into that type of music. And... I think the importance of that in Belfast in particular was there was a way to bring people together. Yeah. Not just working class kids, but it included working class kids from both communities mm. who generally didn't give a fuck. You know, yeah. There, there, were, there were people who were very, oh, fuck, you don't want to go in there. You don't want to drink in the city centre. Drinking in the city centre now is very touristy, very middle class, very borgy compared to back then. Yeah. Not that many people went drinking in the city centre and the yeah, it's true. there was more scope and it was more you were more likely to meet people that weren't bothered if the people that were drinking with were Catholic or Protestant. Right. Whereas the people that are bothered stay in their own areas and drink in their own bars and mm. don't drink. And we do have a big problem with, with that. Mm. Uh, but we'll maybe talk about that again. But the, so yeah. music. What the music facilitated was more important. I mean, the messages in the music, okay. I think the importance of punk in radicalizing people towards anarchism is sometimes overstated. Mm. Uh, some people think it's all about that. For me, it started, it started me looking into anarchism 
And then when I discovered anarchism and anarchist politics beyond the sort of the lyrics, mm. there was something there that was like, this speaks to me, this speaks to me as, as a kid who's from a working class estate, yeah. uh, growing up in the midst of the troubles, but also in the midst of Thatcherism. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And then before that, I mean, you also had the minor strike as well was a big influence. And again, I think there's a difference here. Uh, I think the, the hunger strike would have been a much bigger influence on me if I had been from Ballamurphy or mm. on more or somewhere like that. I mean, yeah. the influence of the, the hunger strike was there. Yeah. It didn't capture, obviously didn't capture people the same way, but the minor strike could and did, I think. Right. Uh, so I think that's the start of it anyway. In a sense, there was this broader culture at the time that was bearing down on people, wasn't there? And, you know, it permeated everything. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't believe that punk is the be-all and end of anarchism, nor should it be. Uh, <laughs> um, I think if you get sucked into that, that, that that's, that's lifestyleism. There's nothing wrong with uh, adopting certain lifestyles, being into types of music or or any of these things. But for me, the essential is class. class yeah. Once you got to the point where you become self-aware as an anarchist, how did you then move into the position of finding other anarchists and working with other anarchists? And what were the forms that you then decided were appropriate for that? You know, what or what 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 did you find useful in that way? Okay, I think initially. Myself, uh, a friend of mine who who lived in Rathcool, one or two other people on the periphery of this set up this wee thing that we called the North of Ireland Anarchist Network. It I never see. it never got very far. I think we printed a few T-shirts. We had one meeting right. where we invited people from Class War to speak in Central Hall in in Belfast. Right. That must have been nineteen ninety or something. Mm-hmm. Around about there. Um, at the time as well, we also discovered just books. Mm. And well, maybe a year or two earlier than that, but I would have started volunteering in just books. Uh, at the time, it was a feminist collective, it was a women's collective. It had originally been set up in 1978 by Belfast Anarchist Collective, but it had sort of changed slightly. Um, it was still an outlet for radical books, feminist books, socialist books, uh, and anarchist books and publications. Um, this would have been its original incarnation in Smithfield, wouldn't it? Or? This would have been yeah, in yeah. White Tavern Street, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so eventually, there were a few non-female volunteers to keep the place open and keep it ticking over. And eventually there was a discussion and I was brought on board as a member of the collective. Right, great. So the collective became sort of mixed. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was given the task of dealing with anarchist correspondence to the bookshop. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought me in contact with people who have been involved in Organize. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, Basically, a return to sender type thing. Neil came in for organized, and I sort of sent it back saying, uh, This guy hasn't been about in months. And immediately, this guy showed up. Going, <laughs> <"Did you laughs> <say it was> back? 
our car pushed back. What's the chances? <laughs> uh, that then led to some discussions with other people who described themselves as class struggle anarchists in, in Belfast, Ballymena, Derry, I think mm. a couple of other places. Mm. Uh, Organised was revamped. It, the publication was put together. It had been organised the voice of anarcho-syndicalism. We were more broadly class struggle anarchists, hadn't sort of settled as anarcho-syndicalist again. Yeah. But, but for me, I was going in that direction already. The, the, the guys that had been involved before didn't want to impose that on, on the people involved in this process, but that's eventually where we went. So was there a continuity with the previous organise, if you know what I mean? From the other, yes. Yes, so there's there, was, oh yeah, there were people. There people, and it was basically the guy who was one of the founder members of Organise that came out of Palomina and Antrim Anarchist mm. groups who brought together... I don't know, maybe it was more egalitarian than that, but was involved in the discussions yeah. and bringing us together as part of Organise. But basically, we're not going to say at this stage we're specifically anarcho-syndicalist, yeah. classical anarchist is where we're all at and what we can agree on. But he, yes, he brought us on board with, with that and sort of, I suppose, made it a little bit less specific. Okay. So you, right. you mentioned uh, class war group from UK there as well um yes so you, you you weren't dealing with the tension between these two different politics or it was more that it was a broader group that was exploring these things together is that maybe a better no, frame no, of it okay or? so that was that was just a couple of us who had sure. set up a short lived thing that we called a, a network yeah uh, yeah it was a network of two or three people and yes we invited class war over to speak by the time class war came over and spoke and we'd looked at the their theoretical stuff was called the heavy stuff at the time. And there was another publication that put out that we looked at. And uh, basically we thought their definition of working class was much too narrow. Right. Uh, it was a bit along the lines of openly classist, if you're aware of that publication. Yeah. yeah. I think has some very strong points, but just rips the arse out of it in other areas. Uh, for <laughs> example... Nurses were excluded from the working class on, on the basis of what class war were saying at the time because people with degrees weren't working class. And mm. right. nursing, training for nurses had shifted and they were all degree educated. And I was like, what? This yeah. is fucking stupid. Yeah. There was a bit of a caricature, flat cap and whippet thing, I think, started mm. to develop. Uh, mm. But basically, I mean, out of that, I went to organize. The other, the other people drifted away. Yeah. Okay. So the, the network as such was quite short lived. Did the new iteration of Organise was there, and, and how did that link in again with Just Books? I mean, was it would it have meetings there or? We had some meetings there. We we used it as a as a place to meet other people. Um, for example, we did a series of discussions in a wee place called Kalach in ninety. Two, mm. um, the WSM were invited along. We went along. The Anarchist Communist Federation and wasn't so. It was Direct Action Movement mm. were at that, and we basically used just books to coordinate things. From people met there, when we got the bus or 
Berlin's transport the clock from there. Uh, and we actually organized using the space through Michael Hall because it was him that knew about it. Right, yeah. Um, so there were, there were connections that you weren't really aware of at the time. And did you have a sense of like 1970s activity? I mean, this as well, you know, on the anarchist and libertarian, left libertarian front, or was so like at the time, all I would have been aware of was organize WSM, hmm. and I was aware of the fact that Belfast Anarchist Collective were the people that opened Just Books and set yeah. it up. I was aware of. I met a few of them, hmm. oh. so there there were links there but at that stage i don't think i knew michael hall was or had been an anarchist Mm. but that was more through his involvement in putting out the island pamphlets and when i was 21 i worked on an ace scheme in rathcoon self-help group which is another big at one stage it was the biggest housing estate in western europe (laughs) people would regard it as another loyalist stronghold but the self-help group had had some anarchists involved in it. Right. Uh, some people that were closer to Mark Langhammer yeah. uh, and other people were just community activists in a broader sense. But but again, it's it's something that maybe we should look at a bit more because there, there was at least some anarchist input into this. Yeah. And it was in an area that people would be quite surprised by. I mean, some people Absolutely, are... Yeah. Always surprised to hear that organised came from anarchist groups in Palomina and Antrim as well. Yeah. Uh, but there must have been like minds developing during that period of people who were saying, well, hold on a second, you know. Yeah. And, and moving towards radical positions. Um, so organised ultimately during the 90s, didn't it lash up with the International Working Workers' Association, isn't that correct? Yes, for a time... Oh, I can't remember the exact date. Mm. I'll have to check that. We did We did go to the IWA Congress. We affiliated... Mm. At the time we affiliated, there were ructions in France and Italy mm. in, in the two sections there. Um, I think there are some very uncharitable anti... IWA accounts of those splits and what happened, right? Uh, that that are partisan to say the least. Uh, right. That's not to say everything was great. There were splits. It was tense. It was uh, it was it was quite uh, what quite an unpleasant process. I think for everybody involved, for the international, yeah. for the people who stayed with the international, for the people who left as well. Yeah. Um, it also coincided with the peace process and with, I suppose, some tensions and loss of membership in Organize itself. Right. Period after we affiliated. Okay. So we didn't stay in very long because we lost quite a few members. Right. Okay. And we couldn't really keep up with the international developments in the international. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we almost disappeared for a time after that. Really? Was that, that sort of big an impact in a way? or? Um. Yes and no. I mean, there was the impact of this peace process and mm. ceasefires and the changing political environment. Mm. Uh, there was the difficulty keeping up with what was going on in the international. Mm. And there was actually a few people left. Mm. 
because our politics had changed. And some people, right. we, we've always had a few, a significant number given the small, the small size of the organization, uh, migrant workers involved. Mm. And uh, they also basically left or moved back and other people left Northern right. Ireland as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So we were depleted in okay. lots of different ways. <laughs> Moving towards events like Genoa and so on, now I know that's leaping forward a tiny bit, but did they? Did you see a surge? Well, maybe not a surge, but a movement back towards anarchist positions on the part of people. You know that attracting people back towards anarchism, uh, because yeah. it seemed to give a little bit of a shot in the arm. You know, to anarchism more broadly, I thought, but maybe that's from the outside it, looking it, in. Um, I think, I think developments might have been more significant in the south, particularly in Dublin. Right. But there was certainly more interest. Um, at the time, I would have been a shop steward as well around about the same time. And there was actually, it was actually much easier to have conversations with your fellow workers about anarchism and capitalism and right. globalization, which was quite astounding. I think in the same period, I started to encounter people that, you know, at different events who unprompted would tell me they were quite close to anarcho-syndicalism. Which really? always, always shocked me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen these days. Like, but uh, right. uh, in work, yeah, guy who ended up being a shop steward alongside me uh, shortly after he hmm. he joined the workforce, uh, or we're having a pint, and he, he just out, out of nowhere told me he was an anarcho syndicalist. Like, <laughs> okay, I haven't even said this. Uh, <laughs> But yes, there was a there was an interest. There was yeah. uh, more of an interest that you know, in the north, in Belfast, in Cork, in Dublin, yeah. uh, there was. Um, but we had also just before that lost some people. Uh, yeah. A number of people sort of moved back into republicanism. Mm. Other people just I don't know walked away. Reformist or just left, just left. Mm. The, Altogether, biggest group in politics, those who've left parties and groups and formations. Ours <laughs> uh, coincides with people who just got the fuck out of the north. Well, there is, the, yeah. yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, that's another angle as well. We basically came pretty close to disappearing after we left the AIT, IWA, right? But then we started. That's when we took the initiative and brought some anarcho syndicalists together from across Ireland and started talking about issues and regrouping more or less. Mm. Uh, initially, we didn't readopt the name Organize. Okay. Uh, at a meeting that I wasn't even at, <laughs> it was decided to stick Organize back in the name, you know, and stake a claim to that sort of continuity. Mm. In terms of ideas, in terms of orientation, and in terms of some of the membership, there was that continuity there. Yeah. And there remains that continu continuity to this day. That mm -hmm. we broadened out again a bit later when there was a proposal to try and get an organ a class struggle anarchist organization mm -hmm. that, that could encompass. I put this proposal out uh, in a period of time that I wasn't actually a member of Organised, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it could encompass it, the Anarchist Black Cross, Anarchist Federation members in Ireland, and yeah. we hoped at the time WSM would get on board with the discussions, but 
but uh, they were in a period of disorganization themselves and that mm. didn't happen. Mm. So again, a broader, slightly bigger class struggle anarchist thing with a strong anarcho-syndicalist tendency was the result of that. Right. Uh, and, and of course, there's also the Anarchist Federation of Ireland, which merged, didn't it? As yes, well. this is the period I'm talking about. Now. Yeah, yeah. That merger uh, that included Anarchist Black Cross people from... Hmm. From Dublin as well, and a few others. Um, I mean, we can go a wee bit further than that. Uh, we did join Solfed for a time. Mm. Basically, hung on to the name organised to describe any members in Ireland. Uh, we were the affiliated as the Belfast branch of Solfed. Um, we sort of left because we thought there were opportunities there to develop more in the direction of an anarcho-syndicalist union mm. that rightly or wrongly didn't weren't moved forward as as an organization as a whole. Yeah. Looking at it now, I'm not sure that Solfi had made the wrong decision right. to do things the way they've done them uh, and looking at how they've developed since. Yeah. At the time we felt that it was the wrong decision. Okay. So we we withdrew fraternal and we, we'd still see them as a sister organization yeah. still have quite close links so i mean and that's another angle on this like the the relations seem to be very good in terms of with all the you know the groups in in britain the groups on the island of ireland the relations actually seem to be i mean for lefting organizations remarkably good well, I, I suppose so i mean uh, at, at some point relations with the the wsm went a bit mm. uh Went, got got quite strained. Right. Uh, like we were attending conferences of the WSM. Uh, the links were quite strong. We, you know, during the water charges campaign in the north, we yeah. brought WSM activists up to speak in the north because they had been involved in opposing water charges in the south. Yeah. There's always been sort of discussion. Uh, yeah. But I, I think in the last number of years, things have been quite strained. Uh, the starting point for it, I suppose, was our response to their position paper on the on partition. Mm. I think they had hoped for a more generous reading of that. We were invited down to that conference and the two delegates, I suppose, one of them was me, another one's a guy who's, who's left activism, mm. anarchist organising altogether. Um, we had, to be honest, we had expected more of a shift. Right. And I think, although I'm not sure they would acknowledge this, there, there was a little bit of a problem mm. because you know, you're talking about a living document, you're talking about people changing their positions, you're talking about people updating their positions and mm. some of the changes made to the document were great mm. but other tendencies I think rolled back in a couple of other areas in the same document Right. And again, I suppose we should have been more generous in viewing it as something that was interim. Mm. Because a few years later, they changed the position more. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there was a problem in the way that our criticisms were read as well. Right. They thought we should have been more generous because we knew them. We were talking about how aspects of it didn't really break with nationalist historiography or uh, that type of framework. Mm. Um, very controversially, there was a comment about it resembling a stagist theory. Right. Um, that could have gone down very. It didn't go down very well at all. 
um, but I mean, there there were appeals for you know Protestant workers to abandon loyalism and join Catholic workers in opposing this, that, and the other. And it's like there seems yes, you're criticizing republicanism and nationalism in here, but there seems to be a little bit of an imbalance. Mm. And again, a lot of a lot of the time, our response, I think, and this is what wasn't picked up on, was based on not our reading, but if someone who was interested in anarchism in the north picked this up and read it, what would they see? Yeah. And in our position, it read too much like a left republican position. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that got lost. And then you also had Libcom and very toxic online forums, which definitely made things worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, so rather than having discussions, they're sort of proxy discussions done in short comments and... Some, sometimes very long-winded comments. Well, a lot of, very, very true, yeah. And then, and then other people being more argumentative and less than helpful. Yeah. And I, I think it just, it, it sort of, poison things a bit yeah and i think all of us have to take responsibility for that retrospectively uh, uh, some people that some people were shit stirring mm. uh some people backed people's arguments up on the basis of closer friendships mm. uh instead of going here look cut it out and i was definitely guilty of that right okay. <laughs> um i think other people were too I think online argument and discussion in forums is terrible. Yeah. Do you think this is a situation in a sense self-corrected in any case? You say yourself, like later on, there is a response to response in a sense on the part of the WSM. They kind of re-engaged um, with the issue or, or reconsidered it to some degree to, in a way that you felt might be more useful. I think, I, yeah, I think so. I think, uh, yeah. like I said, we should have been more generous and viewed that as an interim sort of yeah. argument. Uh Again, I do think that there were problems with how we were interpreted as well. Mm. We're now in a situation where, of course, the WSM has left the field to a certain extent. And I was saying to you before, like, I mean, I, I certainly think just from my perspective, there seems to be an anarchist-shaped hole in, in Irish politics or across the islands. Obviously, in this part of the islands, in relation to Northern Ireland, Organizers still there, and you've got links and so on and so forth. But to see the WSM um, end, and knowing how you know how much activity and energy and enthusiasm they put into campaigns and uh, struggles, strikes, and so forth here, you know, where does that leave the situation? Do you think, or what's your feeling well, on that? There's a couple of things. I mean, there there have been a few collectives or groups that have. That seem to have sprang up in in different places. Mm. Uh, there's a seems to be a discussion group that's been set up by the looks of things, mostly by ex members of the Workers Solidarity Group. Right. Um, ex members from before they officially wound up. Yeah. As well, I think. Um, yeah. But now they're just discussing things and want to talk about issues with individuals with a view to doing something. I think that's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, there are other groups that we may have more or less room for conversation with and cooperation with, depending on the issues. Yeah. Um, there has definitely been more interest in the last 12 months mm. in, in Organize. 
more people have gotten in touch with us in the last few months. Some of this is initially really more to do with people thinking they're coming out of the, the whole COVID lockdown pandemic yeah. situation. Yeah. How, when we're actually going to get out of that is a, is a completely different matter. Yeah. But I think it has yeah. increased some sort of appetite amongst people. I mean, we've, we've, for the first time we have members in the South, we have more contacts with people in the South. Yeah. Uh, we are starting a very modest period of growth. Mm. Uh, but all these things are encouraging. Yeah. And there seems to be engagement with anarchism with different people as well and different groups. So, and all of that points in that sort of direction. Yeah. And I will say that in the wake of the WSM sort of mm. wrapping up, we should really, as anarchists, anarcho-syndicalists, libertarians, socialists and communists, I think there needs to be space for, for us to reassess questions of organization on this island and mm. sort of maybe pause for thought before going forward and, and building more. Mm. Have a bit of a reassessment of these types of questions. Yeah. What sort of organizations do we want to build? Yeah. Or do we want to organize? What should be our priorities? How do we want to go forward? Mm. Uh, so I see that as an opportunity. For you, from your perspective, what would you see as the primary focus as of organize just on a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis? Putting aside the, the broader strategic issues, but like saying, okay, this is the focus, this is what organizers okay. now attempting to do and you know maybe talk through some of that and where you see things being there's a slight difference between what we have focused on and where mm. we should focus so mm. two sort of things are um so a few years ago just books open premises in in barry street in the center of belfast mm. and that ran I think till 2018. Then we were in a wee space in King Street that was meant to be shared space. Uh, there were less and less people sharing it. And then the, the cooperative cafe downstairs closed down and the, and the space was gone. And then the pandemic happened. So it's taken us a wee while to find a new space, which we have moved into a couple of months ago and we're still sorting out. Now, at the start, there was a lot of energy, a lot of events, a lot of there were a lot of things going on in the in the first couple of years in Barry Street. Mm. Um, we fo- we tried to focus on yes, the, the bookshop, silk screen printing, uh, speaks for different campaigns to use. Larnhurst Visitors Group who visit yeah. detainees, uh, people who are seeking asylum, detained in Larnhurst said they used the space for their meetings. Uh, environmental group campaigning against uh, potential fracking in a forest for Carrick Fergus, used the space for a few things. There, there were other events. We put on our own events as well. Educational sort of focus on, you know, what is exploitation? What is oppression? You know, we did those kind of things. In Luna, we had cineforums and stuff as well. There were also social events and fundraising events for ourselves and other campaigns. Um, we did also want to provide sort of solidarity to workers in struggle and build up sort of framework where, you know, people could, I suppose, informally offer the same sort of support and advice as shop stewards. Mm. More of us have experience as shop stewards or health and safety reps in the, mm. in the broader union movement, trade union movement. Yeah. Um, that's something that didn't develop as much as we would have liked. Right. Um, 
The premises now is smaller, more flexible, but basically we needed a home for uh, the library that we've built up over the years. Yeah. Uh, we now have thousands of books, pamphlets, periodicals. Uh, we've got the library in place, but right. we, need, we, we need to sort it and put it back in its, its respective sections and catalog mm. and stuff, which will take another wee while. Right. Uh, that'll be accessible on an appointment basis uh, as a reading room. We got our fingers burnt with people being able to borrow books. Yeah. Uh, oh, not dear. so much the problem with people who actually borrowed them and let us know. Yeah. Just every now and again, you notice, oh, a book's gone missing. Yeah. Uh, so the books are staying on site. Uh, people can read there. Hopefully, at some stage, maybe they'll be able to copy sections there. That's not possible at the minute. Mm. Um, but it's a smaller space. We want to do smaller gatherings. If we outgrow the space, it's quite flexible. Uh, if we want to do bigger events, we can do them elsewhere. Um, what we did concentrate on in the last in the period of the pandemic was getting a good website put together, and I think we've achieved. Mm. Yeah. For the first time ever, we've always been really bad at that. Whereas the WSM have always been really good at it <laughs> from the inception of the internet. The WSM were amazing at this sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, sort of miles behind, but I think we've got a decent workable website now. Yeah, yeah. We are adding stuff, you know, archive stuff as well. That's very noticeable. I mean, there's a sense of you like building a history or an archive of the history of anarchism. In Northern Ireland, basically, which is quite, you know, it's really interesting to be able to see those documents at first hand. You know? Yeah, well, we hope to have more of that. Yeah, not just, great. I mean, focus is the North. It's not entirely limited to the North. Yeah, I know, yeah. But, as yeah. more stuff gets added, maybe you'll see that more. But I mean, the publications we're putting on the archive have all been produced yeah. Yeah. in the North yeah. by people in Belfast or Derry or, or yeah. what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry, just as a thought on the library, you attempted at any point to put some of this to digitize any of that stuff and put it online, you know, stuff that was or would it, I mean, it's a huge task. I don't think so. I think there's a lot of stuff that's digitized on the likes of the Anarchist Library Online and mm. and I think they do a good enough job. I yeah. mean, the library's not just anarchist, yeah. In oh. fact, at the minute, the Marxist Leninist <laughs> and broader Marxist stuff. Uh, we've got more of that than we have anarchist publications in the library. So if anyone wants to donate anarchist stuff, very welcome. please. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll put that in the show notes. We are based, yeah. we are based on donations. Yeah. So we have so. what people donate. Yeah. Uh, if people, sometimes people have claimed that a certain area has been underrepresented, I would say anarchism suffers the most at the minute. Uh, mm. But the way to the way to come ra- get around that is. Tell us what you think we should have. Better still, mm. help us out. Donate something. Yeah. And we'll put it there. Yeah. But uh, that's what we're doing now. We have a very keen focus on education and self-education. Right. Uh, it, it's essential to any yeah. competitive working class movement. Yeah. It really is. It, it can't be understated. I mean, from talking to a founder member of Just Books again and again, just books, even in 1978, for this guy, was inspired by the Ateneos of 
twenties and thirties Spain, yeah. you know, the educational sort of centers. So that so there's that inspiration there. Yeah, and that is something we want to maintain a focus on. Mm-hmm. But but I think as well, the area that I think organize has been most successful in in the past has been when we have had people engaged and active. Mm. in existing unions now yeah. there are lots and lots of problems speaking as an anarcho syndicalist with the trade union movement yeah in, in all, across these islands oh, yeah. they're exactly. not exactly the same problems north and south but there are <laughs> there are different problems similar problems yeah. and fundamentally the same problems i suppose yeah um again we would like to see the establishment of an anarcho syndicalist labor movement, union movement that is both libertarian communist in terms of goals and direct democratic and participatory in terms of structure. Right. Um, and this is something that we're revisiting at the minute and we'll be having internal discussions about, but in my personal opinion, I think, and I think it's something I would agree with the, the, the late Alan McSimon on, we as Class struggle anarchists need quite an intense period of engagement and, and work within the labour movement that exists today, warts and all. Mm. Uh, I mean, we have been quite consistent in saying that this is where we see the splits and the, the development of, of a new, more radical movement coming from. Yeah. I, th- I think I think there's a it'll be a combination of, of volunteerism and, and other factor, material factors. Mm. that will create this. We won't do it on our own. I don't think mm. it'll happen without people like us. But I think the tensions are there. I think the problems are there. The tensions that led to the creation of the IWU, for example. Yeah. I, I could include the IW, uh, the ILDA in that, but I, I don't think I will, even though they professed a more militant trade unionism. I was in SIP2 at the time. I was a shop steward in the railway right. North. I was at yeah. the SIP2 conference in Ennis where the split happened or was provoked. Oh yeah. Perspective. But it was a, it was a it was a retreat into craft unionism. Mm. As a union for drivers and fuck the rest of us. Mm. I mean, this was not industrial, it was not very much based on solidarity either. Right, yeah. Based on a perception that drivers were stronger than any other grade of staff in the railway. Mm. And, it, there's always a danger with that in any yeah. union, isn't there? It's this, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's the type of solidarity we're interested in, while in some ways sympathetic to to their position within a union like SIP to under mm. traditions. Absolutely, but uh, I don't think it was the right way to go. I mean, they they talk more militant at the start, uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. These are examples of the types of tensions that we have. We also yeah. have huge areas where working class people are not organized. Yeah. Uh, we have areas that are more difficult to organize in, in the types of unions that exist today. Yeah. So again, we need, we need to revisit this. Uh, but I think where people are in workplaces with union recognition mm. uh, and with the possibility of doing anything beneficial in terms of engaging workers, yeah. In terms of actively involving workers and in terms of bringing them together around issues that impact on them, that that's a focus 
that has to be a focus for anarchists. I think it's doubly the case in the North because this is really the place where working class people come together on a class basis, mm. particularly in a situation where we still have huge segregation. We have different schools. We have different bars. To some extent, we have different workplaces as well. No, yeah. but segregation is huge. Yeah. And in, in the workplace, it's one of the places where you can start to overcome that. Yeah. yeah. It's where people sometimes for the first time encounter someone from a different background than them and realize they don't have two heads. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I think that's where we need to be focused. Yeah. God, it's, it's, it's such a huge mountain to climb on top of, you know, just, you know, trying to organize in private sector establishments and stuff like that, you know, it's, which yeah. is, horrifically difficult but and then you've got labor law as well which can be indeed it can be tricky i don't think what well, depends what you're taught i mean the, the formalization of social partnership in the south presents mm-hmm. particular problems yeah uh, but then you've got the inheritance of direct thatcherism you know red in tooth well, and claw yes although yeah although although the north was cushioned a little bit from some of the worst of that and yeah. we, also have, we also have equality legislation that interestingly enough uh, mm. very early equality legislation in the 80s uh, the first person to win a case for unfair dismissal dismissal on religious or political grounds did not win that case on the basis that the legislation was set up for really? it was actually a founded member of organized in right. Balbina who got sacked because he was an anarchist right that won a case against a company that was based just outside Palomino. Excellent. He, he didn't, well, quite excellent, but he also found it very difficult to get a job in the surrounding area for quite some time. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah, that, I mean, that's a little point in history that, that I think is quite interesting. That is interesting. Maybe right. a bit of a digression, though. But, uh, but yes, no, I think that, that this sort of thing is essential. Yeah, that sort of focus is essential. Yeah. Um, yes, we should be working on a community basis. I think uh, the example of the water charges campaign, several mm. quite quite a number of years ago now, mm. are the building of local groups in working class communities was, I believe, seen as such a threat by the parties at Stormont, the sectarian mm. parties at Stormont, that that Sinn Féin wrote it off. I mean, they basically, their minister was responsible for delaying it. It hasn't gone away. It's been indefinitely delayed. Right. I think they were faced with the specter of working class community action against this attempt to make ordinary people pay for their water Mm. when we were already paying for it in our rates. Uh, So it was a double tax that had built up ahead of steam. There were different campaigns, but uh, a couple of them were based on non-payment and based mm-hmm. on working class communities. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a threat that the, the UP, Sinn Féin, the other major parties, the Unionist Party, seen at the time and didn't. They wanted to head it off. And I think that the, it shows that the potential is there yeah. in these circumstances around these types of issues to do the same thing again. This raises another question. What's the response to organise do you find in communities and in workplaces? I mean, is it a case of 
kind of reversing the whole thing is you're saying meeting people from a different community they don't have two heads but have you any sense now that anarcho-syndicalism or anarchism is regarded in a different way say than 20 years ago or even 30 years ago or is it a question you think that people have to organize on the ground in the workplace in the community and through that sort of simple work again and again and again build up a legitimacy which then people will see in those communities and in those workplaces that yes the group is you know this is a serious group it's engaged in serious activity it's here to help i mean where do you think it lies is there a case of like people go oh look it's anarchists coming in and they 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 move to the worst sort of um you know caricatures of same right i think it's okay caricatures are difficult to avoid um also, a complete lack of knowledge is difficult to avoid yeah. as well. I think there has been work done in the past of engagement in the past that has put us in a better position. Mm. And I think that's the type of thing that needs to be replicated, like water charges campaign and like actually being involved as shop stewards, health and safety yeah. reps, actively in workplaces where there are where there is union recognition. Yeah. Uh, what we do in places where it's impossible to do that is another matter. There are other discussions and to be had around how we deal with that. Mm. Um, I think some work has been done in the past by different groups that has raised the profile of anarchists. Mm. Uh, in some areas, there is a, a legacy there, um, positive and negative. Mm. Again, I think the whole anti-globalization stuff enabled us to more serious people were more interested in conversations that you could have more seriously with them yeah um at the minute i think we have a lot of work to do again mm. to stop that disappearing and to build on it mm. and it's a lot of very serious work uh you know it's you get other people on the left cracking jokes about organized being called organized anarchists organize uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's also yeah but you are anarcho-syndicalist so I mean like it does make a perfect amount of sense you know like, oh it does it does of course working in shower, of course you want to organize yeah, yeah. we don't need a dictatorship we don't we don't yeah. need state but we need lots of organization yeah. for it yeah. Yeah. one of the things there is that the how you communicate ideas, right? Do you think that, um, I mean, you talk about having a new website at the moment, and I suppose online is kind of where a lot of these things go, but mm. you've also several publications historically that organizers have been involved in. So, um, I mean, maybe you can talk about that and the, the change, if you feel there has been a change in, in how you communicate ideas. Right. Um, well, I'm old enough that I go back, not not to the first publications that were put out by mm. organizers or the, the groups that preceded it. Um, but uh, if we go back to the very early 90s, we, we were putting stuff out using letter set and print stick and yeah. the clacky typewriters. And it was great when, when I got an electric typewriter. I can't remember yeah. from. It was brilliant. But you still had to type in columns and cut the columns out and print stick the columns on the piece of paper. And mm. put it in. And cut and paste meant cut and paste. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there are some there are some older anarchist publications that I've donated to the library that have holes in them because you fancied a graphic, 
You cut it out and you oh, stop yeah. a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it's lovely. Uh, it's, I don't know. But the technology changed. Yeah. Uh, so what we could do changed. I mean, it, it became easier to format things. I'm not saying we're great at design. We're mm. really terrible at design. But um, things have changed. Uh, mm. it, it has always been important, and this is consistent for me anyway, and I think other people that have written for format changes the what you can write. At the minute, Black Star is short. Uh, the, the longest articles are less than two pages, mm. like on an A, well, on a bulletin that uses A4 size pages. Mm. So there's a lack of depth, but something that's very important is we're trying to say what we're saying in as ordinary language as possible mm. in a more direct and more journalistic way, if, if you understand what I mean by that. Yeah. There might be negative connotations of that, but I, I just mean short, sharp, straightforward. There's more scope for more in-depth discussion and reflection, and we're hoping to bring the leveler out as a magazine later in the year to do that type of thing. Right. So we would see that as complementary. Mm-hmm. There are two different things. Black Star is coming out monthly. Mm. We're actually, not very good at that. I mean, if we go back and look at the first two, there were like something like three years between issue one and issue two in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it disappeared. Uh, and we just, when we were talking about bringing out something that was monthly, uh, someone went, here, Black Star. Use that. Right. Yeah. Uh, another, another assertion that there, there is continuity here. And we need to show that there's continuity. I think mm-hmm. something that anarchists have done in the last number of decades is build a tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that WSM would have said when they got together in the 80s and other anarchists, and, and people from Organized were involved in discussions at that time as well, mm-hmm. that there was very little in the way of an anarchist tradition. I think the very little there is, we should unearth, and there has been work on that. But we should also recognize that, yes, over the last number of decades, we have created a tradition here. Might be a small one, but at least it exists. Yes. Um, Communicating this, yes, there have been different... I think you can see differences in some of the publications depending on where anarchists are most active Mm. uh, and, and their framework. Some of the stuff that organizers put out when we have been more engaged in workplaces, I think it's reflected in mm-hmm. articles yeah. written at those times. Yeah. You, can, you can tell exactly how engaged we are with the labor movement if you look at the publications over time. Yeah. I think that's where we have done our best work and where we're strongest and where we should focus again. Mm-hmm. Um, we've developed the website. We're putting stuff online. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blackstar has a Twitter account. Uh, we're still, we've been posting events on Facebook for forever. We, mm. we need to improve the social media end of things as well. Mm. We, we need all of these avenues to be used to put out propaganda. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Instagram or Twitter, but the, we have to use them. Yeah. So I think it's changed a lot and it also hasn't changed a lot since the days of cut and paste and thick and letter. Yeah. So. Mm. Do you think uh, there's a broader audience for it now than there was in those days? Ooh, I'm not sure. I right, think yeah. there's a lot of noise out there. 
Yeah. I think, you know, some of us were more optimistic about what the internet could deliver. Yeah, I think we were, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, was, I have to admit, I was a little bit cynical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I read all these earlier articles about oh, the democratization of protest, that yeah. this will allow, no, it's given us noise mm. and idiocy and distraction. Yeah. And it's given us, oh, you if you can't say it in more than so many characters, you can't say it. Yeah. Uh, there are quite concerning studies about how it's badly impacting on people's attention spans. Yeah. Mm. Um, there are lots of negatives with this. Yeah. Of course, there's a wealth of information out there that you can find if you know where to look. But we still need to be able to communicate that, knowing where to look to people. Mm. Mm. Otherwise, we yes, there there's growing what cynicism resentment, uh, mistrust of government. Mm. But a lot of that just leads into conspiracy theories. Yeah. So we still have a lot of work to do here. Mm. Uh, and we're doing it in a situation where, again, there's much more noise. Yeah. Yeah, so, a different depth of engagement, can't it? And a, sl yeah. a slight digression, but I always think that, like, you know, the fact that Something like Reddit is covered in Stalin memes doesn't mean there's been a growth in Marxist Leninism, you know. It's, yeah. it's just I, memes, you know. Yeah. And it's and it's all online. I mean, again, really need to be in working class communities and in workplaces and in areas of struggle. Yeah. But exactly. How, how much time are the people in Kazakhstan or Sudan spending paying attention to all this shit that's on the internet? Mm. They're actually engaged in real, significant life and death struggles. Yeah, sites of struggle, actual sites of struggle, day in, day out. And and it's what you say there. You also have to have the ability and the tools, the methodologies to be able to talk to people yeah. in a useful way in a workplace or in a campaign or a picket line or whatever and to be able to say, like, you need, look, we're with you and this is why and this is why we're not just talking off the top of our heads, yeah. I mean, I was, I was a shop steward in the real life for eight years. Hmm. Seven and a half of the eight, eight and a half years that I worked there. Mm. I was re-elected again and again as a shop steward. People knew that I did what I was meant to do as a shop steward. Yeah. They knew I was an anarchist. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, lefties can get elected as shop stewards more easily than... Michael Gove. ...ideas uh, amongst, the, uh, amongst the, the working class, I think. Yeah. There, there yeah. is an issue with that. But at least it raises awareness and it raises understanding and people see that, no, you're not a lunatic. Mm -hmm. You're not, I don't know, whatever they've been told on the news that you're meant to be. Mm. Uh, um, and you can engage. In terms of your interactions with, say, um, other groups beyond anarchism on the left and and so on. How have you found that? Have you found that to be fruitful or has it been a case? Or is it is it again something that's dictated or determined by the nature of the conflict that you're in, that you're uh, you're you're being involved in, be it a campaign or be it a labor dispute or what have you? Do you find it useful ever? Do you find like that there are like minds even across ideological barriers or do you find that there's a sort of political sectarianism that kicks in? The answer has to be it depends. It depends, right, yeah. Yeah. Um 
It depends on the campaign, it depends on the issue, it depends on the groups, it depends on a combination of all these things. And sometimes working with a particular group can be more fruitful around a certain campaign. Uh, Anti-water charges stuff, yes. In terms of broader, I mean, people were involved on the basis of opposing water charges. Mm. It's not very complicated. and they were largely involved as members of groups that were set up in local communities, no matter what their affiliation or background was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some groups try to dominate campaigns, others try to you know, get on the committees, they have different strategies, and you, yeah. as an artist, you argue for assembly-based decision-making, and you know, this stays at the, at the grassroots, mm-hmm. uh, and this is how we run the campaign. Yes, we need coordination and all the rest of it, but there are always tensions, there are always discussions. Yeah. Um, yeah. How people relate this is different from, it can be different from one day to the next. Mm. Uh, some groups are easier to work with than others. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. I mean, so, surprisingly, I would say over the last number of years, we have worked quite well with the Socialist Party on some issues. Mm. On other issues, not at all. Uh, what was the Socialist Workers Party now? People before profit are a bit too caught up in electoralism these days, I think. Uh, and electoralism that's strongly based on just one community. They don't seem to be particularly interested. I mean, yes, they're working class, they're socialist, but they don't seem to be particularly interested in in breaking out of one community and uh, you know, reaching out sounds so happy, but you know, mm-hmm. actually seriously engaging with people from different working class backgrounds than the one that their membership or their constituents come from. Yeah. yeah. In terms of work with people that would be engaged, you know, involved in groups that were party to the conflict or mm-hmm. paramilitaries or former paramilitaries. I think Michael Hall is an example of someone who has facilitated discussions there. It's the sort of thing that happened when I worked in the Ulster People's College as a as a tutor and yeah. facilitator with groups from mm. different organisations and different working class communities. I mean, there are things that can be done as an anarchist there and not as an anarchist as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. On yeah. the basis of class and conversations and bringing people together. And that's essential. And I think we, we're in danger of of losing a lot of very good work there. Right. And why do you say that? Because I think there were there were people who were engaged in, in the conflict, in the in mm. the armed conflict in the North, loyalist and Republican, who mm. were involved in the peace process and the ceasefires, who engaged with each other and talked about issues and at least at least listened mm. a bit. You know, people who had experienced incarceration, bereavement. Yeah. The people who who are actual combatants as well, yeah. And and the thing that organisers said throughout throughout all of this is that the conflict in the north was counted in the death, bereavement, incarceration, and injury of working class people. Yeah. And that's a tragedy. Yeah. However, we have we have a new generation of people on both sides who think they missed out on something. Mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a big gap in education and knowledge and and fucking wise up it's not fucking heroic nationalism and I include unionism and loyalism in this is not in your interests Uh, 
we've talked and other people have talked about how social and economic deprivation, marginalization, feeling ignored feeds into recent royalist riots. Mm. Yes, it does. But loyalism is not the avenue that people need to be taken here. Uh, the same as a revamping Irish nationalism and and blood sacrifice and all the rest of it is not where frustration and working class frustration should be channeled into in other communities. We need something that is by and for working class people in working class interests. Class politics. That's that's not even dealing with issues of migrant workers, precarity and all the rest of it. Where where we need to build something. I said, I don't think we should be talking about Irish anarchism. We should be talking about anarchism in Ireland. Yeah. Mm. No, and it should it should be inclusive. We can't we can't have barriers like that. We can't have divisions like that. Uh, this has to be based on class. Or, or for me, there's no point. Thank you so much. I mean, Jason, it's been a real pleasure to be able to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.